Let's just come before the Lord's throne as we open His Word. Let's pray. Lord, we come as part of our worship of You here this morning to that part where we open Your Word. Remind us again, Lord, that Your Word is not just a book. It is the breathed out words of God put down on paper and inspired by your Spirit. So Lord, give us humble hearts and open ears and willing feet. As we start our readings this morning, uh, we're getting to the close of this book. If you haven't noticed yet, um, we're kind of at the end of the book of Revelation. It's amazing how that journey's gone. But I want to take us to where we started this morning in our readings, and so I'd ask you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. And that's going to be the first of our readings, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. Now turn to chapter 22 and verse 6. And he, that is the angel, said to me, John, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And then if you've got a red letter Bible, you'll notice these are the words of Jesus Christ being quoted now. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. And then Jesus' words quoted again, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers 
and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. And then the words of Jesus quoted again. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. We're going to read just till there this morning. And then I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 24 and verses 3 to 4. Matthew chapter 24 verse 3 to 4. This gives us a bit of a perspective on what we've just read. As he, that is Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So Jesus said to us, Behold, I am coming soon. Or if you've got a Bible that says, Behold, I am coming quickly. So we are 2,000 plus years away since he said those words. And the return of Christ has still not occurred unless I've missed something. So has Christ changed his mind? Is he no longer coming as some suggest? Well perhaps he didn't quite mean that he's coming again. Is he a liar? As some suggest. Perhaps he's postponed his return. He's looked at us and he's thinking, I'd better give them some more time. Has he postponed his return? Has he changed his mind, in other words, about when he's coming? Perhaps we've misunderstood his words. Maybe he just meant them allegorically, metaphorically, and any other early word you can think of. The problem is that some have started to doubt. And I don't know about you, but I know some believers that I know well who have started to doubt. And their feet have started to walk slower and slower towards the kingdom.
And they were using words like, maybe it was all just words. Many have turned away from Christianity as the Bible speaks about, as it warns us. Will you be one of those who walk away, whose faith grows cold? Perhaps as you sit here in your chair this morning, you've started doubting your own faith. And maybe you even say, and it might just be secretly to yourself, maybe I should just get real. I want to encourage you today this, to just persevere. That it's all to do with perspective. And that maybe you've got the wrong perspective. You see, there's human perspective and then there's God's perspective. Where do we learn about this? Here in His Word. He tells us about that perspective. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. And if you would turn there as well. Second Peter chapter 3. Verse 1 to 10. This is the perspective that he calls us to when it comes to him coming again. 2 Peter 3, verse 1 to 10. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you. That's Peter speaking, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, here it is, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water through through water by the word of God and by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished but the very same word by the very same word the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly but now look but do not overlook this one fact beloved that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. There's the reason. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are there that are done on it will be exposed. It will come. So what's the problem, you see? It's the perspective. Scripture teaches us that we mustn't, mustn't measure these things with human chronology. So to have a watch and a diary is the wrong instrument. Now, I've got a friend called Dave Tastard. He's still my friend. And he keeps telling me, you keep using the wrong tools, Yonker. If you want to do the job, do the right, get the right tool. And so when it comes to looking at the perspective of when is the Lord coming, we need to be using the right tool. The watch and the diary are the wrong tool. The right tool is to look at the redemption events of history. What has happened, what is yet to happen, and what has Christ said will happen across history. 
Because when we look at the big picture, then it makes sense. And then it could come at any time. And so when we think of some of the redemption events in history, He raised a nation called Israel in the Old Testament. He led them from Egypt. And I'm not going through all the history of redemption now, right? There's no time. But He used them as an example to the rest of the world of how a God of grace can work among people. And then, as predicted by the prophets of the Old Testament, the Messiah was born. And He lived among people. And then they put Him to death as they said it would happen. But on the third day He rose again, as was predicted. And He again appeared to many. And then He went up to be with His Father. He disappeared from our view. And what's the next thing in redemptive history? He said, I will come again. The Old Testament prophets predicted. And so what the, what the Apostle Peter says is, if all these things that have happened so far have happened, why would the rest not happen? And I've said that many times from this pulpit. And so the next thing he said is, I will come again. And therefore, we must be ready. He can come quickly, says our text for this morning. He can come soon. He is keeping his word. But are we ready for his coming? He doesn't want any to go to hell without him. He wants all to be saved. And as you sit here this morning, are you saved? Jesus Christ is giving you the opportunity to come to Him while there is time. And so from this perspective, the return of Christ is always near. And one thing we do know, we are nearer to His return this Sunday than we were last week when I got up here. And if He doesn't return during this week, then His return is one week nearer. But He is returning. Are you ready? And so, the rest of what we're going to look at this morning is how do we prepare ourselves for His coming? And what we've got here is, it looks like, when, as the first reading, when you start in verse 6, it looks like just an epilogue. What's an epilogue? It's that bit they chuck on at the end of a book just to kind of close things off. A bunch of words. They kind of say things like, mm, no, I should have said this, okay, I'll just mention it here. Ready for my second book. No, that's not what epilogues are at all. Introductions and epilogues are the most thought through elements of a book. I see a writer nodding ahead. The title of the book is thought through. Lots of pain goes into those words. And so these aren't just a collection of, collection of words just thrown together here. It's not just words. So what is there that we can find here? Let's look. Let's explore God's word. Verse 6. And he said to me, that's the angel, these words are trustworthy and true. So not just these words that I'm speaking to now, but all the words that have come before in this revelation that Christ has given to you in words, these words are trustworthy and true. Everything we've referred to in this revelation, the prophecies, the words of Jesus Christ, all the words said in heaven, all these words are trustworthy and true. Therefore, don't doubt, is the implication. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent His angel to show His servants 
what must soon take place. And then he quotes the words of the Lord. And behold, I am coming soon. And so when we hear these words, when we read these words, if you're reading your scriptures today, there's something that we have to do with them. We are to believe them. We are to obey them. And if we do, says these words of the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. If we believe, if we obey, we will be blessed by these words. Now there's good news for us here. So let's look at these words. What are they telling us? These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits and of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Whose words are these? God's words to us. Revealed to us. And because they're God's words and the Son's words, they are faithful and true, says the angel. God himself says that. Chapter 21, verse 5. Look at what he says. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God himself has told us. And just because they come from him, we should believe that. But God tells us as well. These words are trustworthy and true. Therefore, believe them. Obey them. They come from me. They come from the throne of God. God and the prophets have said the same thing. God is the God of the spirits of the prophets. He was the one who sent out His prophets with a message on their lips. They weren't the prophets' message. They were the message of God through the prophets. And so they are the very words of God. And so we've looked at various prophets as we've gone through this book of Revelation. We've, we've looked at Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Malachi, many others, Hosea. Those weren't the words of the prophets. They were God's very words through the prophets. And therefore those words too are faithful and true. And then in the specific text this morning, the angel speaks the words from God. Who is the angel? The angel is just a messenger from God. It's not his words. They are the message from God through the angel. And again, they are faithful and true words because he's come with a specific message for the churches. These are the words of God. They are the words to God's bond servants, says our text. Who are the bond servants? You and I, if we've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, He has freed us from our sin. He has paid the price so that we could be free. We are His slaves. And these are the words from the Master to His slaves. His bond servants. And therefore, we are to obey Him. There are words of instruction to you and I to be obeyed. But not just that. He's a gracious God. There are words of love that we are to cherish at the same time. And so there have been many sections as we've gone through the book of Revelation that I don't know about you, but my heart has leapt in me and said, Wow! They are supposed to do that for us. This is supposed to be a book of encouragement. I pray that it has been. And yes, there's been puzzles through there as well. But all in all, it's been an encouragement. I am I'm now more filled with hope having done this book than before we started when I was a bit fearful of it. It's a book of encouragement. And yet we are to obey it. 
And then we see that these are the very words of Jesus Christ to you and I as we sit here in these seats today. And behold, I am coming soon. As you sit there today, Jesus Christ is saying to you, Behold, I am coming soon for you. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of the book. Are you keeping the words of this book? Are you keeping them? Because you will be blessed. Jesus says so. So these are the very words of God. Secondly, we see in verses 8 to 9 that these are overwhelming words. They were to John anyway. I hope they are to you as well. You see, as John saw this revelation and everything revealed to him in the heavens, he was so overcome that a few times we read he was so overcome that he starts worshipping the messenger who is bringing him these things. And, he, and whether he's doing the same thing here in this very sp- spot again as he's writing as he's overwhelmed again, as he thinks back, or whether he's referring to when he was overwhelmed, doesn't matter. But what the overwhelming does is, it leads him to worship. And he has to be slightly corrected. He's so overwhelmed that he just worships the wrong thing. Instead of worshipping God, he worships this angel. But the angel's very quick to point out to him what? Worship God alone. Yes, all this is to lead you to worship, but worship God. Nothing and no one else. You see, too quickly us human beings make it something else. This very week, we heard the words of Brian Tamaki in a sermon he made. He's given himself the title Apostle. And he mentions himself among Peter and Paul the Apostle. And some of the things he says are. Now, just think what pride has done. And we need to pray for this man. Because if he is converted, and if he has shown his error, imagine the testament will go out through the media. At this stage, the media are showing up his error to a world that doesn't believe and scoff at Christians. He said... I don't care if this goes against your beliefs. I don't care if you think you've heard this from God. But if you haven't heard it from me, don't believe it. What does Scripture warn us about? In the end, times people will come and they will say, I'm the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And I pray for those young men, men in the manna program that is encouraging, especially among Maori youth. I pray that the Lord will protect them from him. But the challenge goes us to us as churches. What are we doing to present that message of hope properly to them? But be warned. Stand against these things. One of the signs of the end of the time. Christ is coming soon. There will be those who will try and lead people astray. Be warned. And John is so overcome that he worships the wrong thing. Don't worship the wrong thing. When God does amazing things in your life, give Him the worship. Not your doctor. Give Him many thanks, but don't worship Him. Not your psychologist. Thank them profusely with chocolates and roses, but don't worship them. Worship God alone. 
we are very quick as human beings to worship the wrong thing. Don't worship your bank manager when they give you another extension on your loan. Worship God alone that that person had the grace to help you. Worship God alone. When you read the words of Scripture, may they overwhelm your soul and drive you to your knees. That's what he's saying to us. These are overwhelming words. Verses 8 to 9. And then we see the urgent words here too, verses 10 to 13. What does he say? And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Now when we first read those words, they hey, what's he talking about? Let's look at what he's saying. You see, these urgent words are to do something to us. It's supposed to say to us, the time is near. Tell others about this because they might not have the opportunity later. Where do I get that from? Well, let's look at the words. He says to, to John, the angel says to John, don't seal up the words of this book. There's a prohibition here. Don't seal up the words. Now, if you're a good Jew, that would immediately associate you with another part of Scripture where someone was told to seal up the words. Who was that? Come on, you Old Testament scholars. Daniel, Daniel was told, Daniel chapter 12 verse 4, close the words and seal up the book until the, the time of the end. There he had to close up and seal because the time had not yet come. And the sealing had two aspects to it. It said seal up the book for now, Daniel, until the right time comes, the time of the end. And so Daniel prophesied about a final tribulation for God's people. He had to prophesy about the defeat of the wicked kingdoms and the eternal establishment of God's kingdom, which would come later. But until that happened, he had to seal up those words. There was a second aspect to the sealing. He had to seal up those words until there was a fuller understanding of what God is doing in history. And so Daniel prophesied, even though he couldn't fully understand everything, he didn't know about Christ's death on the cross in that detail that we do. He didn't know in the same detail as we do about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He knew, but he didn't know the details. He didn't fully understand Jesus' reign over history until the end. We have a more full understanding. And now the angel says to, to John, Now the time is near. Don't seal up these words. Do you see the urgency? He's about to come. There's no time to seal up these words. They're about to come true. And therefore, you who are doing evil, you will still be doing evil when these words come true. And the encouragement is you who are holy. You just carry on doing ho being holy because as you are being holy, the time will come. Do you see the encouragement? The time is urgent. But there's a warning there too, you see, to unbelievers. Don't be caught doing evil. Because the time is going to come when you least expect it, like a robber coming in the night. Jesus often used that example. Daniel chapter 12 verse 10. I want to read you this verse and this is where he gets this from. Daniel chapter 12 verse 10. He says this. 
Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. You see, people are just going to carry on thinking they understand how things are panning out, and then it's going to end. So my question to you as you sit here today, if you're not in the Lord, what are you, what are you going to hold before you? Because when you least expect it, Jesus Christ is going to appear in the picture. And while you think there is still time to, because I'll see it coming, you won't. He's going to reappear quickly. Are you ready for Him? These, these words aren't sealed. He's going to come very soon. Are you ready? And for you as believers, whatever you're going through in your lives, and it might be real hard stuff you're going through now, Endure. Not long now and He will come, says the Lord. Now, yes, He was writing to, the time, to, to John's time and many of the hearers were under extreme persecution, extreme hardship. But He says to them, endure, the time is short. Jesus Christ will come soon. Do you see the hope that is there for us? He can come at any time. Are you ready? So the time is near, but there's a second thing here. The consequences of your actions are near too. He says, I'm coming and I'm bringing my blessing, but I'm also bringing my recompense with me. I'm bringing my judgment with me, says Jesus Christ. I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. There will be consequences. And you will still go about thinking that I will get away from those consequences because I'll have time to fix things. And then they'll be on you and there'll be no time to fix things. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Sinners will be judged in that very instant. Believers will have their eternal reward. Therefore, endure. And then... Christ's promises are near to. He's promised us so many things. If you go and read through Scripture, not just Revelation, but all the promises that Christ gives us, those promises are near. Because He is near. And we rest in Him and His promises. He has said so. He is the first and the last, says our text. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. What's, why does he put this in here at the end of the book? You see those days when they wrote important letters, they would seal them. And the seal was the authority of the speaker behind that message. And this is the authority of Jesus Christ. This is his seal. He puts on this message of revelation to believers. He's saying, remember who I am. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. When I say things will happen, they will happen. Because I've been there from before time. I will be there into eternity. I am the Lord of hosts. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will bring these things about. Listen to me. And believe me. Stamp. Believe God's words. Don't give in to your doubts. He said these things will happen. They will happen.
I am God. There is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Isaiah chapter 46. Who's speaking these words? The Lord of hosts. What does that mean? The Lord Jehovah. What does that mean? The Lord of the armies. God Almighty speaks those words. And so we see that these are words which are going to come true. We also see that these are imperative words. In other words, these these are words of command. And so you and I need to be obedient. Verses 14 and 15. What are we to do? This is how we get ready for the coming again of the Lord. He says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside of the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So how do we get ready for the coming of Jesus Christ, the one who's coming quickly? He says, wash your robes. Does that mean you've got to invest in a brand new washing machine? No, 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 no. How do we wash our robes? Who does the washing? I don't do any washing. The best way to do this washing is to get on my knees. And not next to a river, but next to the river of life. And Jesus Christ is the one who takes my robes and who takes the sin away from those robes and washes them clean, and who puts those robes back on me and says, you are now new in Christ. Enter into the joy of your Master. This is the Jesus that I need to be coming to. He is the one who is supposed to be washing my robes. Chapter 7 verse 14 of Revelation. Look at what it says. Revelation 7.14 He said to me, that's God, these are the ones, and speaking about that great multitude in heaven, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Here it is. They have washed their robes and made them white. It doesn't stop there. Nothing they did. In the blood of the Lamb. Christ does it all. And so you and I need to be coming to Him daily as we prepare for His second coming. We are to have our robes washed clean Daily. I don't know if you've uh, noticed the peanut cartoons in, in your lives. I always used to love old Linus. He used to walk out... No, he wasn't even outside the door and he was already dirty. His mother used to give him his clean blanket. He walks a yard and it's dirty. I'm a bit like that when it comes to sin. We gather it just by living. We need to come to Jesus Christ daily and have our robes washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. We are to secondly receive the right to the tree of life. Who gives us the right? Is this something I can demand? Is this something I can go and pick it with? A big posters saying, give me rights to the tree of the life? No. These are things that I need to come to Jesus Christ and He is the one who gives me the right to the tree of life. Given by Christ Himself. 
Look at verse 19 because there's a warning here about this. Verse 19. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which I described in this book. Now how that's going to work, I don't know. I'll be up front with you. But there's a severe warning there. And it's to us as believers. If we take away from this book of life, God will take away from us the right to the tree of life. How do we do that? How do we take away from, from this book? Firstly, we take away from it as teachers by not teaching it properly. By misleading people away from God and the truth. And secondly, as believers, we take away from the truth of this book by not believing it, by not putting it into practice. We rob it of that truth. Be careful. There is a warning to us. There's a third thing here. We are to enter the city by the gates, says our text. We aren't to try any other way into the kingdom like a robber who tries to come in over the wall or through a window because it's not going to work. Jesus says, I am the only way to the Father. There's only one way to enter into the kingdom, and that is through Jesus Christ, the gate to the kingdom. Don't try and come in any other way. And if you're sitting here today and you have not yet bowed the knee to Jesus Christ, what are you trying to try and save you? It could be all kinds of things today. There is no other way to come in. You need to come in through the gates. And if you don't come in through the gates, you will remain outside of those gates. And what is outside of those gates? The dogs. And he's not talking about dogs here, as in bark. He's talking about those who turn their backs on God's word. Over and over in the Old Testament, the dogs were the ones who turned their backs on God's covenant. Maybe you're sitting here as a believer and you're starting to doubt these things. Watch out. Outside of the dogs, don't become like them. And if you're not a believer, don't remain outside there with the rest of those listed here, with the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. In other words, everyone who is not in Christ. That's the collective description here. Because if you don't come in, you will remain outside those gates. So there's a warning about the urgency of these words. And then lastly, these are God's words Himself. And look how Jesus assigns these things to Him. He uses this, the two words, I am. Verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about the things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Now those are big words he uses. You see, up to now in the Old Testament, up to now in the Old Testament, the prophets had been saying, the Messiah will be the root and the offspring of David. What does Jesus now say here? I am the root and the offspring of David. He assigns that to himself personally. And here we have it, right at the end of the scriptures we have. As part of that seal which he gives to us to say to us, Believe me, I am the root 
am the descendant of David. I am the one who is prophesied about. I am the fulfillment of those prophecies. I am the messianic hope. I am the root and offspring of David. And not just that, I am the bright morning star, referring to Isaiah 11 verse 1. So what's all this about? You see, the morning star, what did that do? When you saw the morning star in the sky, it meant the night was nearly over. The morning is about to rise in the sky. The night is over. It's the start of a new day. I am the bright and morning star. I bring you righteousness. Your night will soon be over. You will start your glorious eternal day with me. Is there hope for us? So what do we do with this text? Three things I want to give you in application. The first is this. Believers, listen to me please. Christ is coming again. Why? He said He would. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. If I say it, it will happen. When you look around you and you see rumors of wars and earthquakes and all these nations rising against nations and trumps against the rest of the... I am coming again, says the Lord, and I'm coming soon. Believe me, I've said it. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Don't doubt any longer. Read the salvation events and know He's coming. Don't look at your clock in the diary. Secondly, John Owen, who was a famous writer in America, said this. Beautiful words. He said this. Jesus is the safest place in the universe for any human. He carries on. He says, To be saved is to be saved by Christ. To be a Christian is to be in Christ. To, be for, to have forgiveness is to be forgiven by Christ. To have hope is to have hope in Christ. In short, for the Christian to live is Christ. The safest place for you is in Christ. Why would you be outside? Why would you be found outside of Christ when He returns? There's hope to be found now. You've heard it once again this morning. Why would you not come to Him? There is no second chance on the other side of this world. When Christ comes or when you die, it's over. There is no more chance to come to Him then. There is no second chance then. Come to Him now. And then lastly, to you as believers, to you who are Christ followers, here are the words of encouragement to you this morning. You see, it's so easy to get buried in the day-to-day of life. I don't know about your last week. Tuesday morning I was already caught up in the rest of that week. Already my horizons have gone this small. And the prayer for my life and for yours is, let's look up. Let's broaden those horizons through Scripture. Let's have the Holy Spirit help us to see that He is coming again. That what I have to do day to day, week by week, as I have to see people and interact with people and they wear me up the wrong way. Christ is coming again. There's a bigger hope here. Let's look up 
and see Him coming. Let's have a broad horizon when we think about Jesus Christ. Let's look forward day by day to His coming. Why? James verse 5 verse 9 says this, The judge is at the door. I don't know if you've been to a law court. I hope it's been on the right side of the law. I've been there as a witness to things. What happens just before the judge enters the room? The clerk of the court says, All rise. And then we stand up and the door opens and in walks the judge. Please be seated. We're at that moment in history. All rise. The time is near. I'm coming quickly. The judge and creator of this world is about to enter in again, visibly. And then we will be in the dock, or witnesses of His grace. Which will you be? I pray that you are ready for that judge. Amen. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we can call You our Father, God, because You have said, I am Your Father through My Son and through the work of the Spirit. Lord, thank You that we have a hope that is far greater than us and our circumstances to know that You are sending Your Son, Jesus, again soon. And He is standing at the very door of history, ready to visibly enter again. Help us, Lord, as Christ followers, to live such lives that others will see in us not just the hope that is to be found in Jesus Christ, but also the urgency of the times. And when we speak to people and when we witness to our children and to our neighbours and to our colleagues, to our family and to our friends, may we witness not just about the love of Jesus Christ and the wickedness of sin which keeps people from Him, but Lord, may we also witness about the urgency that He is coming again, that there might not be another opportunity and that people need to come today while the time is yet near. Lord, I pray for any that are here that still do not know Jesus Christ. I plead for their souls. May your Holy Spirit arrest them in their lives. May He stop them dead in their tracks. Otherwise they will die in their sins, I pray. May He give them new life. May they bend the knee to Jesus Christ and experience that great washing of their robes and the whiteness that only Christ can bring as He forgives sin, every sin and any sin. I plead with You, Lord, build Your kingdom in this place, using us as this church of Wangana East. In Your name we ask this the mighty name of the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, God Himself. Amen.